Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And today and we Ginny. are... <laughs> Yay, you got right. <laughs> oh no, I was crying. I'm still crying from watching the episodes. You said that was your name, was your crying? No, no, no. I said I'm Ginny, and then I said, I'm Ginny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. I, I missed all of that. Oh, uh, you just can't... It's because my acting skills are so top-notch. Or my listening skills are just that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> it's probably the latter, actually. Um, to be fair to you, to both of us, it's hard to hear when if you're talking at all, like when we're recording, because we have yeah. our headphones. It just it, it is a little bit harder to hear. Yes, we'll we'll give ourselves the excuse of technology. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so today we are talking finally, finally, finally about becoming. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. Parts one and two. Oh. I, I mean, I literally finished watching like 15 minutes ago, so <laughs> I was crying a lot. Uh, so I'm, I'm still pretty raw is what I'm saying. So that's how you're doing? If I were to ask you, hey, Jenny, how are you I'm doing? doing you're like, yeah. uh, I'm emotionally There were some like, sad, like really pathetic, like shaking sobs. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because I was trying to hold it in. And so that kind of made it worse. Oh. Anyway, I, you know that I cry. I cry a lot. I also thought like literally before we started watching the two episodes, I was like, I was nervous thinking like, ugh, what if I'm just, I was like not feeling into, you know, like I just wasn't feeling into it because normally I binge things and it was just like, I was kind of like, oh, I'm worried that I'm going to have to talk about it and pretend I was really affected or, you know, kind of draw back on previous times in my life when I was really affected by these. So I was like, I was nervous about it, but like right away it just, I fell right into it and I've been slowly crying off and on for two wow. hours. Wow. So, so that's, that's what surprised me because like I... First of all, like the last month or two, I've been like, what is wrong with me? Like I read some affecting story about like, honestly, some celebrity like finding their dog or something. And I'm like sobbing or like (laughs) watch a Hallmark commercial and I'm like sobbing. And it's like I was fully expecting to have like a real like emotional reaction yeah. to this and I got a little choked up at the end but oh. like not, and I and I have to wonder like um because it's like okay is it because I've seen this a million times right. and I know what's coming or sometimes I wonder like you were mentioning like you usually binge like I'm like I feel like I'm like doing this is like this podcast like I'm relearning how to watch tv in a way that I used to where and yeah because it's you definitely have different breaks. when you have to Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to, you have, you like, like you were saying, like, you, you're worried about, like, the headspace you're going to be in, and, like, maybe I just, like, wasn't getting in the headspace because the way we're spacing it out, I don't know. I also do definitely think that it's affecting, you know, like, knowing that I have to take notes and that I have to talk about it, it does put me in a, like, slightly more, cer- <laughs> this is, like, such a pretentious thing to say, <laughs> like, it makes me a little more cerebral when I'm watching them, but that mm-hmm. does sometimes affect how emotional you can be about it, you know, when you're literally nitpicking plot points or things that don't make sense or thinking about how things are structured that it does kind of pull you out of it. This is the first time in a while I think that I was successfully doing both. Like I couldn't stop taking notes while we were watching up until the very end, but I was also like really invested in what was going on. I mean, I think you're right because like, for example, the scene that was really making me choke up was like the end where Buffy like doesn't come home and Joyce finds the yeah. note and yeah. um and I, but but at the same time I was getting a little emotional but then also I was like running through all the reasons like okay but if it had gone this way like would she had gone home and like would it like why didn't she mm-hmm. like I was like thinking it through too much and so I wasn't like I think in the moment of, of yeah that, so. it's hard when you're thinking about it too yeah. much 
Um, uh, but I watched it this morning in bed with bagels and coffee. Oh, that sounds lovely, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, we I, little, I like, chose breakfast the, and bread I put trays. this on their, um, our Instagram, but I, I, I watched that. it with the steak and red wine. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. Well, and then I realized how, like, meta my food was because I was eating oh, steak while watching yeah. her steak people. Nice. Ooh. And then I felt like a dad for making that joke. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, well, how yeah. was the rest of your week um hopefully well, less see, dramatic off to a good start I made two batches of margaritas this morning nice um I have not tried them yet because it's like it was 10 a.m when I made them um but my <laughs> hey. hands smell very strongly of limes right now okay so that's exciting it is exciting I'm excited to try them it's my friend Susan's recipe and it's excellent but um I don't know I was a little bit like I never buy like tequila or mm-hmm. like anything really that's like not wine or beer so like I bought like I don't know not like a small like whatever the normal bottle size is mm-hmm. I think it's like 750 milliliters or something mm-hmm. like that and I used the whole thing so yeah. I was a little <laughs> bit like oh okay but like I I have a lot of people coming over tomorrow so like it's yeah. not just for me like yeah I think the normal serving size of one of these margaritas is like four ounces and mm-hmm. I think I made enough to make like 16 of those so okay that's that I mean be, uh, that should be good yeah I mean and that's like I'll probably pour like six ounce servings you know it's like mm-hmm. trying I don't know because one time I made these and we were all on vacation and like I told Susan how much I made and she was like oh my god that's so much and I think I poured out like four margaritas <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> because we were on vacation and I made like, you know, like you go to a happy hour, get a margarita and like a pint glass. Like that seems fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it felt normal to me. So I think it's um, normal. And I made homemade Cheez-Its, which are oh, cool. um, almost too good. Like I'm supposed to keep mm. these for guests tomorrow and like mm. I could probably eat the whole jar, which eat is also why them. I don't let myself eat Cheez-Its. Like it's a, yeah. these are the first Cheez-It type crackers I've had in like four years. But oh, man. apparently... I don't violate my own rule if I make them myself, which I think is fair. Yeah. Yeah. I eat Cheez-Its out of our vending machine at work. It's one of the only things that I get out of it when I'm desperate, but Cheez-Its are so good. I will say the homemade ones, it's hard to get them. Like, even, I noticed even when I rolled it super thin, they still puff a lot, so they're Mm. more like crackers than like Mm Cheez-Its. But I I learned a trick for getting them really crisp, so that's exciting. Um, and also, Jenny, I, f- I thought of you when I was making them because there was a lot of cheese. Involved. A lot of cheese. <laughs> and, I, and I was like sending me my tax in the mail. I know. I was like snacking <laughs> on the cheese and I was like, oh, I'm eating mm-hmm. Jenny's cheese tax mm-hmm. for her. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I guess I have no authority over your uh, territory anymore. Well, I would send it to you, but I don't think you want cheese. That's no, been sent I don't. The mail. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then I went, um, I went running this morning because I'm trying to get back into that kind of routine so that Mm -hmm. I can eat these things like margaritas and Cheez-Its. But like also this time around, I mean, like I haven't run regularly in a couple of years for like a lot of reasons. Like I was Mm -hmm. injured and And it's like hard to get back into it. And like, there's also this open question of like, should I even be running? Because the injury that I had is kind of like impossible to fully heal. But I just decided, like, I miss it too much. Like, I really want to do it. But this is the first time that I've been trying to get back into it, like, post-30. 
And yeah. oh my God, like I, for like three days this week, I like could barely sit down because my quads were just like shredded. <laughs> and I ran like not even a mile. Like, I don't know. And I walk oh, a lot. Man. Like I was shocked, like for this, as active as I am, like even just adding that, I was like, oh, right. Running is really actually not good for your body. <laughs> so I just feel I'm, really old. Yeah. Right <laughs> I was laid up most of this week yeah. being super sick. I just really like when we recorded last time I was sick and now I'm like just getting just getting over it but it really I don't know I I keep saying that like I don't I don't get sick that often but apparently when I do it just like drags out <laughs> but I think whatever like I mean and I don't know if you really got it from um, from Josh yeah I from, actually oh from our friend <laughs> whatever <laughs> don't name names <laughs> I know <laughs> but I don't know if you did but like if you did like he seemed really sick so it that's would true follow that like whatever everyone got from him and would be like a I, yeah and what I think it was more so is like it was just such a full throttle like five days of like wedding yeah. wedding touring 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 so I think by the time like I was getting sick I think while you were here and then I think the moment that I like stopped moving was when it all like came crashing down yeah. but I stayed home on Tuesday from work and then I was like had such a bad sinus headache that I couldn't even really watch anything because like the screens were irritating me. So it was like, not like I was homesick and I didn't even get to watch that much TV because like it was hurting my head. <laughs> I was this really annoyed about it. <laughs> I always say that the best sick days are the ones that you take as like a preventative measure where yeah, you like yeah. feel yourself getting sick yeah. and like if you stay home and rest like often you can like head off the worst of it. That's what and I should have done on because Monday. Otherwise, like what you're saying is like. Like, when you're home with, like, a fever and you're, like, sleeping through the whole thing, it's, like, it doesn't feel like a reward for yourself or, like, a... No. Like, it doesn't make you feel better. You're just, like, oh, I feel awful. Like, I yeah. can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, at least you didn't try to go to work, but... I mean, I should have stayed home another day in addition to that, but I'm bad at knowing I'm just bad at it. But whatever. I'm feeling better now. And the only... Yeah. So I haven't been doing much this week because I've been, like, coming home and going to bed. <laughs> um... But I did, I have made some pretty serious uh, progress on Upper Middle Bogan. Yes. I'm in the middle middle of season three right now, and it's pretty great. I actually think I like seasons two and three more. I, yes, Probably I a little so. bit is because I didn't, you know, it took me a while to catch on to, like, who everyone is. I, if anybody remembers, this is a show that Allie recommended a few weeks back because she had caught it on Australian Netflix. <laughs> so it's just, like, this Australian, like, sort of dramedy sitcom where, yeah, with this, like upper class woman finds out she was adopt she was adopted and she meets her like birth family and hilarity and, and emotions ensue but like it's it, really it's really it sweet make you and, like cry a lot like honestly yeah. like for a comedy I'm like why am I crying so much it's like so sweet there's definitely a lot of sweet moments and I, specifically like it, every series finale is like yes. a big stepping stone in the progress of like these two families melding together so those those ones in particular I think are, are really really sweet but I, everybody is I would just agree pretty with lovable. you like there's a lot of characters though to kind of keep track of yeah so it was hard in the beginning to like I was I could tell that like I liked it early on but but it wasn't like I, I'll be interested to go and rewatch season one. I think because now that I know who everybody is, I think I'll have a. Especially also because like it is Australian, so like yes, they're speaking English, but a lot of the jokes are are, are hard to pick up if they're making you know plays on words that like aren't common here or whatever. So there or is if a they're like bit, referencing random suburbs, and you're like, yeah, is this really I, like I don't know why this is a bad thing. <laughs> right, right, right. But so like in addition to trying to catch on to what's going on in this new show I was also like had to get my like Australian ears on and now like there's still jokes that I miss but I know that I'm missing them as opposed to before where I was like does this whole thing just not make sense to me 
Did um did you get to the episode yet where Danny and Margaret watched Game of Thrones? No. Okay. <laughs> that well, sounds exciting. It is a great one. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's great. And I uh, now I want to rewatch it again. Yeah, you should. I mean it's it's easy. It's easygoing. Well, there's only like eight episodes every season, so Yeah. Yeah. But I, I am really proud hour. that it's not just me and everyone I tell to watch this show. Like it's like, oh my god, it's great. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to this yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I needed that moment of levity because... Um, <laughs> Everything's so full <laughs> throttle. Uh, okay, so I tried to come up with somewhat of a structured um, summary because what okay. we're going to do since this is essentially two episodes split into one, or one episode split into two, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, they, they did, though, air um, not back-to-back. They aired Interesting. Um, a week apart. Yeah. So, obviously, as you were saying earlier, like, part one seems really plot-heavy, and then part two is, like, everything, like... Resolving. Kind of, yeah, resolving. Um, which I think is, is true. So, um... I think it's very effective. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works, because you see the plot unfold and then you see everyone's reactions to it and there's Mm -hmm. a little more plot in the second part but for the most part everything's going down in part one so um okay so we open with flashbacks to angel's human life which Mm -hmm. um so far we haven't really heard that much about um nor seen like i don't even know if we knew angel was from ireland they Uh, might have mentioned that briefly but I wish they had not made that decision because honestly, David Boreanaz's <laughs> Irish brogue is a bit rough. Um, yeah. But we'll ignore that. Yeah. Um, so we know, like, opening this way, it's going to be like a heavy angel episode. We get this um, narration talking about, like, choices and becoming who you are from the choices mm-hmm. that you make and the, the way you respond to things. So, okay, like, big flashing <laughs> inside. Like, something's yeah. <laughs> going to go down. Buffy's going to have to make a choice. Like, mm-hmm. we, we're pretty sure at this point we know what it is because this is for half a season she's been deciding whether she can kill Angel mm-hmm. um, so we come back to present day and we see Angel watching Buffy fight a vampire um, so obviously he's very focused on her still um, mm-hmm. but then we get a diversion to um, what seems like it's going to be like demon of the week or something right like um, mm-hmm. this big stone thing was uncovered and Giles gets called in to um, maybe help identify what it is and mm-hmm. we hear that it's actually there's something inside it um Mm -hmm. we don't really know but um we'll come back to that in a bit um so meanwhile buffy and her friends are prepping for finals because you know it's it's (laughs) season finale (laughs) so we gotta remember that they're in school somehow um so buffy and willow find the spell that on the floppy disk that fell down off miss calendar's desk when angel killed her Mm -hmm. um chekhov's floppy disk i believe right (laughs) and um they they realize what it is and so then they have to decide whether or not they want to try to use it so the gang kind of has this pretty vicious debate Mm -hmm. with each other about what buffy should do like whether they should try to run the spell willow's somehow convinced that she's the best person the to do this because yeah. she's read a couple internet sites on magic. I'm not yeah. clear really yeah. where she's getting this from, but um, Willow wants to try to do it. And Buffy, you know, she kind of wants to do it because she's like, as she's telling them, like everything that happened to him, like wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. But, but Xander obviously is very much on the side of if you try to do this spell and give Angel back his soul, you're absolving him somehow of the murder mm-hmm. of his calendar, which, mm-hmm. I don't Basically, buy, just no. But. I don't buy that. I mean, this. I mean, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. But really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Xander just cannot differentiate between Angel and Angelus, and we know this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so while this debate is going on and Buffy's trying to decide, they find out that Angel has stolen this statue and murdered mm-hmm. the museum curator because he knows that what it actually is and what Giles finds out that it is mm-hmm. is a Kafla, this demon. <laughs> who, Alfalfa? Yeah, Alfalfa. Al Franken. <laughs> this, this is another one of, like, begins a great tradition of Buffy's interesting names for demons. Interpretations. There are some Sorry, great ones in myself. season three that I can't wait for. Yeah. Um, so basically, Akatha's deal is that if you open the statue and release him, he's going to bring hell on Earth, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, he opens his mouth and, like, a hell dimension comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Angel, for whatever reason, decides, well, this sounds fun. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so Buffy finds out this is happening and realizes it might not even matter whether she does this spell or not because <clears throat> if Angel succeeds in this, she's going to have to kill him. But but their hope is that if they do the spell in time, then Angel won't open a Kathla and won't um, rate, bring down hell on Earth. Um, but Angel kind of is having some trouble with his ritual. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't really work, so he decides that he needs an expert to help him. So he sets up this elaborate trap to call Buffy out to fight and... Instead, she goes to to meet him, and instead mm-hmm. he sends Drusilla and a bunch of his henchmen to the school to attack. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, Kendra has arrived because her watcher has a mm-hmm. premonition Wonder. or something yeah. that a great evil is about to rise in Sunnydale. And yeah. so Kendra's arrived in town, and she's remained behind at the school with the Scoobies, um, but they all get attacked um, Drusilla kills Kendra, mm-hmm. and Willow and Xander get injured, um, and Giles gets kidnapped mm-hmm. um, because apparently Giles was the expert that Angel they wants. Yeah. And also, Angel, we see later, like, Angel really just wants a chance to torture Giles because yeah, yeah. killing his, his girlfriend wasn't enough. He wants to physically torture him. Yeah. Um, and so this has all gone down, and Buffy realizes, well, we can't wait for the spell because um, she's got to attack. Because yeah. obviously Angel now has Giles. Buffy is now a suspect in Kendra's murder, which we can talk about. Makes no sense, but whatever. Um, yeah. And so she unexpectedly gets a little help from Spike, who's tired of Angel hitting on his girlfriend. <laughs> and, and who doesn't want the world to end. And also he doesn't want the world to end because, as he says, <clears throat> he kind of likes it. Like, there are people there. <laughs> it's like an all you buffet. He kind of likes the places. And, you know. Yeah, he likes Angel, Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Angel just decides he wants to do this thing and Spike realizes he's involved in a plan that's gone too far. Because Mm -hmm. to Angel and Drusilla, this mayhem sounds fun. To Spike, it's like, well, actually, I like the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't really want it to change. So so Buffy gets Spike's help. In the meantime, Joyce finds out Buffy's the slayer. Mm -hmm. Um, It does Uh, not go well. Uh, They have a fight about it and Joyce kicks Buffy out of the house. Or, well, doesn't really. She says... Buffy eh, can't. She I does, mean, I think. Yeah. Well, they get in a fight. She tells her not to come back yeah. if she leaves. So, so um, Buffy goes to the mansion to fight Angel. In the meantime, Willow has been in a coma essentially and wakes up and decides she wants to rework the spell. If mm-hmm. she can, if she can somehow do it before Angel opens a Kathla, she can still like go with the original plan of stopping this. Yeah. Buffy gets to the mansion and um, starts fighting Angel. And um, in the meantime. Xander frees Giles, and um, but Buffy gets distracted fighting, and Angel actually opens a Kathla. So mm-hmm. he started this this process, but no one really kind of notices it happening. Yeah. And then while Buffy and Angel are fighting, um, Willow succeeds, and you see um, 
you see Angel kind of have his soul restored. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, as he and Buffy are kind of reuniting, she realizes it's too late and like yeah. the, the Kafla's mouth is opening. And so she kisses Angel and then she kills him. Aww. And <laughs> then we get like this sad Sarah McLachlan or something type yeah. song while we see Buffy not returning to school, not returning mm -hmm. home, and she puts on her sad overalls and leaves town. It's her sad overalls. I said that, too. <laughs> the same ones she wore the last time she was accused of murder. Yeah. So we can unpack all of this as we go, but that's the basic plot gist. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a little more plot involved with the flashbacks, but we yeah. can talk about we those separately. I think those deserve their own discussion. Yeah, well, I think those are just ish. there to color in, like, 100 years of angel or well, 200 years yeah. of Angel being a vampire. Because um, I do, I think first I do want to talk about the opening flashback because, um, like I said before, we, we don't really ever see Angel as a human. Mm -hmm. Like, we've heard a lot about him as vampire. We, we mm -hmm. haven't really heard that much about him as human. And we kind of see he's sort of a sorry excuse for a human. Like, yeah, he's getting he's drunk. He's um, kicked out of a bar because he doesn't have any money. Yeah. And then um, he encounters this blonde woman in an alley and mm -hmm. um hello julie benz we get darla back mm -hmm. um for this and he she he kind of walks up to her and is kind of like hey what are you doing in this alley like she's mm. obviously seems like a high-born lady or mm -hmm. that's how she's sort of presenting herself um and it's not really clear if she chose him or if it's just I a random encounter that. i mean why it's not mysterious to me that she would kill him because he was such an easy mark. Like, it's pathetic. But why turn him? What about him? Well, I, and I, think I don't it's remember their if we get that answer. conversation that they have where he's expressing this, like, she kind of seems like a worldly woman. And he's yeah. kind of saying, like, I've never been anywhere. And I, like, traveling the world sounds nice. And I think I guess he kind of piques her interest. Like, she's like, well, cool. So I guess. I just took that all to be, like, fluff he was saying to try and seduce her. You know, I, I didn't, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. I just think it is a little bit weird. Again, at that point, I, I assume Darla was somewhat powerful. So it's a little bit weird. But whatever. She's well, something is, in him. They are. It is interesting because we have this opening narration about choices, and we mm -hmm. see for maybe the first time that Angel made. He, he didn't know what his decision was, but he made mm -hmm. a choice to become a vampire. He didn't know what Darla was asking him, but he decided, yes, I want to do all these things that you're yeah. offering me. And he didn't know what the price was, but he made this choice. That's and interesting, this though. Is how, yeah, I think even if he had known, though, a human Angel would have taken that choice probably. I think the so. way based on the two minutes of presentation that we now have of him I think that's a good point he probably mm -hmm. would have made that choice even if he had known yeah I also kind of like I so it, a few episodes back we were talking about like is there actually sort of our three angels because there's angel and jealous and then there's human angel so I did kind of like that in the span very quickly we kind of got to see all through all three well really we didn't see good angel and good vampire angel until the end of the episode but I did think it was interesting, again, to kind of, like, think about human angel as even a different, yet another fat face of him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. I just, I also, just liked we, it. I was like, ah, oh, the three angels. <laughs> so, like I said, we learned that angel <clears throat> is Irish, and he's, mm -hmm. in fact, from Galway. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I don't know if I'm really going to do this, but it made me think of Galway Girl, which is this... <laughs> Ed Sheeran song that just came out. This means and nothing to me. I only know it's an Ed Sheeran song because you've been teasing me about it in text messages. Well, I like rewrote some of the lyrics. Because 
<laughs> to be about Angel? Yes. To be about Darla? To be about this Galway boy. But, oh, but I then I, I do, like, I'm not tech savvy enough to like put the music in, so I'm going to have see. to like sing it a cappella, and I don't mm. know if I really want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can sing it to me later. Maybe later. <laughs> um, mm. But it is funny. So Angel's this Galway boy who Darla turns into a vampire. <laughs> um, so, and then the rest of the flashbacks throughout, we see Angel cursed. Well, yeah, no, 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 you're skipping over. I, so, because after that, we see him find Drusilla and see him. Oh, the, yes, the, We see yes. the touches of him. Obviously, it doesn't go on for that long. These these flashbacks are, are fairly short pieces, you know, each each one. But it is, I, it is pretty interesting. I actually think I liked that one the most because it's the first time time we've gotten to see Drusilla also not as a vampire yes. and to get to see um Juliet Landau kind of try a slightly different face to her acting and I again like I think she pulled it off I that was the first time that I was kind of like oh my god I'm so sad for you because her story is really tragic and they you know they basically we find out that she was a very very devout some kind of Christian I don't know that they said I guess Catholic because that seemed like a Catholic confession. She was there. Catholic. We go. She was Catholic. So she's super, super devout. She lives in London in 1860, and she is, as a human, we find out that she's always had these like visions. You know, mm-hmm. she's a little bit psychic, and that's been affecting her since she was a young woman. But unfortunately for her, because her family is devout, they basically tell her like this is a sin, and you shouldn't be able to see these things. And so she feels really, really wrecked about it, and goes to confess only to this time have Angel just killed her priest in the confession booth. So then he just like, oh, since I'm here, I guess I'll take her confession and like harass her. I mean, that was, it was, I think that was such a well done, like, oh, the way that when Angel first turned and we see him have these horrible conversations with Buffy where he tells her like, you're no good in bed and you're the reason that I left and blah, 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 blah. Like live out all of her worst fears in that moment. Like he does exactly the same thing to Drusilla, right? Like he really picks up exactly what will make her the most upset and then just goes full throttle at it where he tells her like, yeah, you're a demon. You're never going to be good. There's nothing I can do to absolve you. And you're just stuck with this. And it's like, God, that's, it's so awful. And the way that she reacts, you know, like she, this really means a lot to her. She really is trying her best to fight it off and she can't do anything about it, obviously. But like, wow, he was just so cruel. (laughs) Well, that's what I was, I have here in my notes. Like, I mean, as you said, like, this is also like a flashback that gives us a glimpse of human Drusilla as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you could kind of look at these flashbacks as like Angel's greatest hits on the way to dying. Yeah, if for you will. sure. But yeah. like, um, but in this particular one, I mean, it's like, this is how he is so cruel because yeah. she's obviously so pious, so into like mm-hmm. trying to be like a good person and, mm-hmm. and also very Catholic. And also in 1860 London, Catholic means extremely superstitious as mm-hmm. well. And so he's basically telling her that, yes, child, you are evil. You have this inside you. You should just embrace it. And like, mm-hmm. that is the worst thing you can tell to a pious, like mm-hmm. person in this time period. But then also like, she's so desperate and like, yeah. we see how much her faith really kind of impacts her where to the point where like, he's telling her well then you should embrace these gifts and you should enjoy having the evil in you and she she cannot imagine like doing that and so then he's just like 10 our fathers and an act of contrition like which also is i wonder a little bit of commentary on the um how arbitrary Um, confession kind of is like like priests are just like uh, a great punchline yeah, like, <laughs> what is that really going to absolve yeah. if this is really what you're worried about? But then also but we immediately get this transition to Drusilla as vampire, now, yeah. embracing her visions and, and enjoying this kind That's of thing. That's a good thing. point. I mean, I even actually, if it kind of makes her insane and she doesn't enjoy that part. Um, 
she's sort of like, she does everyone around it. her is like, what do you see? Like, it's this actual, yeah. and we see later in the episode, we get a little more glimpse of like, Drusilla has magic powers mm-hmm. and um, she's using them willingly and enjoying doing it. That's a good point. It's I an actually, interesting contrast. Yeah, it was the same thing in the Galway one, the first flashback. Both of those, Galway and London did have like nice transitions into the present day that I thought like were very effective. Again, mm-hmm. like even even specifically with Angel, you know, again, like I feel like I'm, I don't know why I'm always like going to bat for every single actor in this series, but like for as not, you know, I don't think David Boreanaz is an Oscar winner, but like he really did like, I could immediately when they cut to Human Angel to modern day Angelus, like you can just instantly tell on his face that he is someone different. And I thought that was like, that was, it was well, it was well constructed scene. It was well directed. It was a good piece of acting from him. Like I just, he pulled it out. And I think Drusilla did too, you know, her conflicted Catholic was like pretty convincing. Well, and she seemed more childlike, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is interesting because we, the Drew that we know is obviously evil, but she's also very like sexual and very, um, Mm-hmm. Or maybe not even sexual is the right word, but like sensual almost. Like she's yeah. really in tune with like her body and yeah. like just from her like mannerisms that we see, especially between her and Spike. And she's very into the elements and like mm-hmm. listening and, you know, contrast um, Juliet Landau sitting terrified in the confession booth to right. like sprawled out on a dining room table going, it sings or whatever yeah. <laughs> you know, she's, she's doing. So we're so talking I, about a surprise inside tomb that she's, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I do love the joke too, where Angel's like, "Wow, you saw all that in your vision," and Spike's like, no, "She read the paper." <laughs> um, well, so I have two questions about that, though. That, that specifically, again, this Drusilla flashback, because it does seem like in her confession, the way that she's talking about it, her vision seemed to be pretty clear. Like yeah. she saw a cave in, and then there was a cave in, or she saw things falling in a mine, and then there was a cave in. But in previous episodes of the season when we've seen her, you know, have a vision, it's been a lot more cryptic. And so I'm curious if this is like a misstep in the writers or if this is again, something that like, is it because she now enjoys being cryptic? I don't know. I just thought that was a little bit weird to be like, Oh, it turns out her visions were really clear and they tell you exactly what you need to know. Whereas like later she'll be like, the moon is telling me a a library, you know, like, I don't know. It just is. I I, I thought that was a weird choice. Yeah. Um, shoot, I forget what my other question was about that scene. I think it was, oh, I guess this isn't really a question so much. It's just a comment, though. The interesting thing then about Angelus and how, you know, with Buffy, he knew how to pick her apart because they had, like, he, I assume, had all of his memories from the last year with as Mm -hmm. Angel. But with Drusilla, he just picks it up pretty quickly. You know, I guess she's there. All the clues are there. I just am surprised. I I, I just, or it's not surprised. I just think he's very empathic. You know, like he knew exactly how to pick her buttons the right way. Well, I think also it's implied that he watched her. Like, I think he, like, I think the the scene that we're witnessing is well after he started stalking her. I don't think so. Like, that's how he knows. Well, how else would he know that she's going to go to confession? No, he was there attacking the priest. And then she happened to start confessing. I don't think he knew she was going to be there. I think I took this to be how he found her. Oh, see, I, I was I thinking think he at this was there point he's the already... Priest, and then she started speaking to him and he was like, oh, I guess I'll just play out this scene because I'm here. Hmm. I don't think he had, I don't think he had been following her at that point. See, I was surprised. thinking that he was killing the priest so that he could listen to her confession. <clears throat> we'll have to look that up again. I definitely yeah, thought but, he but was your, there your attacking the priest for totally fun makes sense. and then just decided to go along with it. Yeah, like he found this like pious girl who's mm-hmm. tortured and he's like, well, I can help with that. 
Well, and I think once she started telling him these things and he knew that she had those fears, that probably Mm -hmm. made her an interesting target to him. Oh, interesting. Now I have something to to go after. Yeah. So I have a question for you, knowing that you were raised Catholic. Uh Um, Is two days a short time between confessions? Because honestly, Uh, she said said it's been two days since my last confession. And I immediately thought, that doesn't seem very long. And then Angel Mm -hmm. immediately said, that's not very long. No, that's not very long. I mean, I'm sure there are people that go, I I feel like the traditional, if you were really pious, would be going once a week. Okay. So two days is is quite quick. And she does, you know, I think that what's clear from her is it's because she's had another vision that she feels the need to go do it. I guess that's true. If you've done something really bad, you would go. But Even this is also hadn't. the thing of, like, her interpreting this as she's somehow done exactly. something wrong. Exactly. She's completely helpless in this situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I just, that made me laugh because, like, I immediately, like, muttered to myself. Like, I was like, that's not very long. And then immediately Angel's mm-hmm. like, well, that's not very long. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I agree with Angel. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I guess just following the Angel timeline, we may as well go through all of them. Yeah. The next one that we see is in Romania when this is going to be the time when he gets his curse, his soul back. Um, which, interestingly, I don't really have that much to say about it. I mean, well, it, it's good to see it happen, I guess, and to see the way that the, um, you know, one of the men that's leading the curse is is kind of telling him, like, you're really going to suffer for this, and watching Angel kind of get his memories back, I think, was worth seeing, but I don't I have much outside of that. Um, it just made me question the timeline a little bit. So well, that's true. Like you obviously see they're burying this girl that he's killed and mm-hmm. but also at the same time the elder woman or whoever is mm-hmm. running the spell, but then Angel's still in their encampment and like because yeah. that guy like confronts him and like he's like definitely like stumbling around like so it kind of makes it seem like it happened like immediately which doesn't make sense because they're already burying the girl so then why is angel still there i mean yeah i I don't know how they got him there and how did they get him so the only thing i could think was like it was like a weirdly edited flashback and it's not all supposed to be happening at the same time maybe but yeah the the guy tells angel that like you will know true suffering like we do Mm -hmm. um again doesn't really prove out this whole theory that her people suffered suffered more (laughs) yeah especially if this is happening pretty immediately Because all we see is one victim, too. Like, I'm sorry. I just, like... Yeah. Obviously, he pissed them off, and they cursed him, and, like, that's fine. But, like, this whole... I mean, we've talked before. We don't have to get into more about how this curse is just problematic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Unless we want to start talking about when Willow actually performs the curse, and somehow now it can be done in Latin. So... Well, I've got things to say about that. Yes, you're (laughs) right. (laughs) But the next place that we follow Angel to is Manhattan in 1996. Um... Angels eating rats in dark alleys, and then we finally meet our mysterious narrator Whistler, who is there to tell <laughs> to tell everybody the plot devices that they need to finish this episode. I did not like him. I don't like him. <laughs> He's one of two things that I didn't like about this episode. Um, but he is the one who tells Angel, you know, there's a Slayer in L.A. and we think you could help, blah, blah, blah. So he's he is the reason that Angel finds Buffy and then is able to, you know, show up in season one. I guess it is an interesting point that, like, up until up until then, we really didn't know why Angel was around. You know, he really disappears in season one. And nobody knows where he came from. So I guess it's nice to know that. But I didn't really care. So, um... Okay, so what I was trying to remember is I know this is not the last time we see Whistler, and I don't remember if it if he comes back on Buffy or Angel. It's probably Angel. No, because um, in Angel, he they replace him with that other guy. He's definitely not an Angel. 
That's right. Okay. So it was maybe supposed they do, to be maybe, You're him. right. Maybe they have another flashback in Angel where he shows up, but I, I feel like they don't recast that actor because they replaced I think you're right him out of the script. <laughs> the character of Doyle on Angel yeah, was supposed, supposed to be, to be Whistler. Whistler. But, okay. No, that makes sense. I knew there was something, but I thought he comes back at some point. But he might be in another episode of Buffy. Maybe. But in this case, he's really just here to sort of like spout off like, you know, I, things to Buffy, but also to get Angel... To somehow, like, somehow he knows that he's supposed to introduce Angel to the Slayer. Yeah. So we watch Angel watch Buffy get called. And, but then this is the problem I had with it was like, he comes back to Whistler and Whistler's like, wow, she must be prettier than the last Slayer. Like, Angel's yeah. obviously like, cause he's immediately like, I wanna help her and like, right. I wanna be good. And, and that doesn't track at all with Angel in season one, who like, shows up to give her cryptic warnings and then disappears and is like it, it yeah. checks a little more with Angel being scared because we yeah. see it, this is still an Angel that's kind of been out of the game for a hundred years um, but we don't like he's not acting like someone following through on what he told Whistler um, yeah, so that's kind of where you know, I'm like, mm. but what's interesting about that is that this is again so I, I, I'll get into my kind of issues with the with Whistler but like the other thing is that, like, so in the second part of this episode, he's there and Buffy finds him, but he's cryptic. He's cryptic to her, so maybe that's where Angel learned it from. <laughs> you know, like he, yeah. he the first, literally the first time you meet, he doesn't tell her anything. As she's running out the door, he's like, "Sword's not en- enough," you know, like, he's like, "Buddy," but he did tell her she just, needs the sword. Just tell her. No, she already knew that. He said the sword's not enough. She already had the sword. She got it from Kendra. Oh. It doesn't make any sense. And then she has to come back a second time to get him to explain what's going on. I was like, dude, just tell her. Just tell her the well, first time. Well, we do time. see that Whistler is kind of supposed to be this demon brought down to, like, to balance scales or something. Yeah. But, like, okay. I guess he thinks he can't be too forward, but, like, he does end up telling her. It doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Honestly, if you have a problem with that storyline then you're gonna have a problem with season one of angel and, and i do i have that problem with season one of, well you know that's not true exactly i don't love doyle and i think he has a lot of the same kind of flaws as this character does so but th- there's enough other things in angel that i do like i mean i think in even that that line of reasoning is something that angel abandoned exactly yeah at the end of Smartly. season one so it's yeah <laughs> You know, like, it's a great idea to think of, like, there's some higher power trying to manage everything, but that doesn't really, like, make it more interesting. Yeah. Um, well, and I guess, I, why not just, I'll just talk about it now, though, but I think what really threw me off about Whistler in general in this episode is that, like, so the thing that I was, like, getting emotional talking about already, like, this morning when I was discussing these episodes, um, like, I these are such good finales because they have taken every piece of groundwork and every emotional thing that has happened up until the season. And they all get a climax and a conclusion in this episode. So it's like, it's really powerful because they're really trading in on all the hard work they've done throughout the previous 20 episodes. Right. So it's like, that was what makes it so satisfying to me. So in this episode where they're like, continue, like scene after scene after scene, they're just nailing like every, every little joke, every important thing that's happened, every transition that every character has made, like all of that stuff comes to a head and it's like thrilling. But then out of nowhere, they pull this new character out of, you know, and he's and he opens the episode, and I'm just mm-hmm. like in this episode where the the real power of it is that everything is concluding. Why are you introducing someone new? Like I just didn't understand the logic behind it. And then to have him do, I think what has even throughout this season been one of the weaknesses are these these narrations. You know, we don't like it when Angel does it in Passion. We don't like it when he does it, uh, like Buffy does it later. You know, it just never really works. It's because it's too cheesy. You know, like the show run 
is like on a, a, a thin line of like cheesy and serious. And it, it always works for me, except for this moment where it's just like, even in a good show, you know, even when narration is done well, it's borderline cheesy. So like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I hate having someone tell me the themes and I hate having someone there just to explain the minor things that they couldn't find another way to, to explain, you know, I don't know. No, it's, it, it kind of cheapens what you could get there on your own. Like, exactly. And then just having it spelled out for you is like, especially like you said, by a character who we have no investment in. Like, yeah. It's, and, and even when he, at the beginning, it's like distracting. If this is your first time watching, you're like, who's talking? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and then you meet him. And so, okay, you I could have like, him still be the character who <laughs> kind of writes Angel on this path and like gets him out of the sewer. But mm-hmm. um, you don't need him narrative. I mean, I just, I'm never a fan really of the of the narrations. Um, but I do like what you were saying about how this is such a powerful finale because I was, what strikes me watching it is compare it to prophecy girl, which is arguably a high point of season one, but it's still so much based on, okay, we've established this big bad throughout the season and he's not even really involved in the story to this point, but Obviously, what has to happen is because we've been moving in this direction all season, mm-hmm. Buffy has to go fight the master, blah, right. blah, blah. And there is a little bit of emotional stakes in that, right. you know, she finds out she's supposed to die and all that. But this finale, the emotional stakes so are better. so based on characters. Yeah. A season and a half of character interaction. Like, mm-hmm. everything that happens is related to something else. Like, you could argue that Buffy fails in holding Angel off because Xander never told her that Willow was running the spell again because yeah. Xander, Xander still, do, deci- like I, Xander I still doesn't point. want Angel to be yeah. reinstored or his soul to be restored. Yeah. And so he decides for the group that he's not going to tell Buffy, which has far reaching consequences. Mm-hmm. And we get, and I do love every time for the next five seasons when they call him out on that yeah. because it's the worst thing that he ever does. It's and, true. Um, and he's never going to apologize for it either. Which no, is the, but we see, but, but we know why he does it because he's, you know, he hates Angel so much. He's still in love with Buffy, but also, you know, we see Willow kind of coming into this role of with the magic, which mm-hmm. will continue. But really what it is, is like another instance of Willow taking charge of the situation and yeah, like coming at one. it from another yeah. angle. We see Buffy, really most upset because Giles has been kidnapped and like the, he's now fully her father figure and they have this right. relationship and like he's the thing that she's most going to go after and um, like all this stuff coming together and then of course like the history of Buffy and Angel and like having them come and mm-hmm. do this kick-ass sword fight at the end that's yeah. so much better Ugh. for the fact that oh, man. they're the ones fighting each other and yeah. and then also like we see Buffy embracing everything she's been taught about being the slayer for the mm-hmm. last season and a half because at the end Angel's like you know the the the, the one mission statement of the show is like family is important and help is important mm-hmm. right like Buffy's stronger because she has her friends and she has mm-hmm. Giles and all of this but in, in this one instance they're not there and so and Angel's kind of calling it out and saying well, what's left like your friends aren't here to save you and she, there's an amazing moment where Buffy catches the sword and yeah. she's like it's me <laughs> like I scene. I'm yeah. still at the end of the day the only one that needs to save myself is me and like it's so powerful to like see that happen and you kind of see Angel kind of go oh shit <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and and because even right before that happens like Spike kind of sees them fighting and he's like oh he's gonna kill her oh well and yeah. it's like no he's not because Buffy still has herself and Buffy yeah. is the end at the end of the day the one that has to make these decisions to be the slayer to like yeah. do all of this and and you can kind of also see like you know when she decides that you know she knows like what's gonna happen if Angel opens a Kathla and that mm-hmm. it, 
she's gonna have to kill him and so we kind of see like she never hesitates about having to stab him because no um, she knows like this is what she has to do like yeah. it sucks because he just yeah. got his soul back and they have this reconciliation moment but like there's never any <sighs> doubt that she's not going to do it I mean and really even that's like part of her speech to her mom right when they're arguing and she tells her that she's a slayer I mean she's like I have to do this and I'm going to do it it's like that she is she has a lot of resolve well, Ugh, and so but. that's the other side of this finale is we get a resolution of a season and a half of Joyce and Buffy's tension yeah. over Buffy being so-called, and, like, delinquent and, and then like, having to have repeated to com- and, like Yeah, repeated conversations Buffy's- where they can't speak honestly about yeah. what's going on, so they can't ever resolve it. So now they're well, finally you see able Buffy to get Buffy finally getting yeah. it, yeah, finally being honest, and Joyce just refuses to accept it. Um, I have a little, little bit, side note. A little bit annoying, but... I don't think so. I think she's totally fair. I mean, again, like the way that this has been presented to her, her daughter's been missing for like a day. The police have come up to her house telling her her daughter's a murder suspect. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know she's safe. She does know that she gets into trouble. And then to like have Buffy show up, kill a guy on their doorsteps and then say, P.S. I'm the Slayer and then not bother to explain because she has to run out. Like I, I, I'm not on Joyce's side because obviously I've seen the whole show and I know that she's wrong. But I think from everything that she's seen, I think that she is owed an explanation, you know, and I do think that it, it, Buffy does ask for her to come to grips with it in like two minutes. And I, and I can understand why she's not what ready to get there. I mean, and I think you could argue that like she, you know, as Buffy sort of does, like how have you not figured this out? Because this has been going on since they left LA, you know, and like you've been washing blood out of my clothes and you've seen all these weird things happen in Sunnydale and blah, 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 blah. blah. So like to that point, yeah, I think Buffy's right um, about that too, but to be I, fair to <clears> Joyce, I don't know that that would be the conclusion I would jump to if well, I was exa- washing blood out of my it, daughter's clothes. Exactly. I wouldn't be like, she's a vampire slayer. Well, exactly. That's where, and that I think is the jump that Buffy asks her to make very quickly. And I think that ultimately had, and you know, this is kind of just part of the, another thing that like works well about this episode is that there's a lot of, I, I want to say like your sort of dramatic, like just irony and dramatic tension where like, or not, not irony, but tragedy, right? Like everybody is just too late to all the things. Like if her and Joyce could have had this conversation on a different day, they would have had time to work it out and she wouldn't have to run out the door. Buffy does though. Like she's not wrong to leave. She has to leave. If she doesn't go kill Angel now, the world is going to end. It's not an exaggeration. So like, I I just think that they, they play all that just right to make it as, as tense and as sad as it, as it is like all of it, you know, is just, (sighs) anyway, I just, am I, I am on Joyce's side even though I know that Buffy's right, I think that emotionally Joyce is reacting the way that any mother would. Like her daughter is tells her she's a slayer and then she has to go leave and fight someone. Like you just can't be happy about that. No. Although the side note story that I wanted to say is that, so like a couple of years ago, my sister started watching Buffy with me and we were, must've been like a Christmas when we were home. So like my parents were there too. And we all were all watching this finale. Like they were, they were there too. So they were watching it with us. And I remember Ashley and I asking my mom if, um, like mom what would you do if we told you you were the slayer and she was like I'd fix you a hearty meal and like help support you (laughs) that was really sweet (laughs) um so so maybe my mom would be different and better probably but yeah um so let's talk about the attack on the library oh my god yeah because okay first of all there's a lot of problems with this like honestly they still haven't learned that this school library okay yes it's convenient because Giles is the librarian so it naturally becomes a like meeting point for them but oh my god it is not secure okay no like it's a public building vampires have proven time and time again they can just get in and if you're working on something this this 
sensitive and you already know mm-hmm. that one person has been killed for doing it, why are you doing it in the open like this? Well, and that they have a slayer, but she gave Buffy her stake and like they don't have another one? That doesn't make sense. But also, but Kendra was back really to my prepared. main point, like, yeah. why not go to one of your houses where vampires can't get in? Mm, that's true. Yeah. Like, you already did all these relocking spells. Like, just, you you know what I mean? Like, it just, yeah. to me, it's like, it it helps move the plot forward and that you need a place the vampires can attack. But I don't understand why yeah. someone wasn't like, hey, you know, Miss Calendar started doing this in the school and she got killed in the school. Let's, uh, let's move this somewhere more private. And Angel is right when he calls Buffy out for, like, how many times are we going to run the same trap on you and you're going to fall for it every time? But also, why didn't Giles think of that? You know, they all should yeah. have really seen that coming. And again, that they, well, leave, they don't leave maybe them unprotected. they were bowled over by Angel's immolation so... Yeah, maybe. But, like, again, they don't leave them unprotected because they leave a slayer with them. But then, why is Kendra not better prepared? I mean, and she does do a lot, and it is a big onslaught, and, like, I, I, I like in that scene that we find out how powerful Drusilla really is. You know, so it's like, it's, it's not that I want to fault Kendra, but, like, it is, yeah. I, I did think they were ill-prepared, and that was kind of... The, uh, well, I, I always failed. think about, <laughs> when I watch that scene, how Buffy would have fared in the fight. Yeah, I... Um, and if she would too. have fallen, but also maybe Buffy wouldn't have fallen prey to that because she already overcame that hypnosis thing with the master. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and we've true. never really seen Drusilla do this before, but I guess Drusilla is a master of hypnosis. Yeah. Um, and also her nails are very different. Very sharp. <laughs> um, the other thing in this scene that stood out to me though, like, so Willow gets ki- like taken over by a, a bookshelf and that is like a lifelong fear of mine. <laughs> oh God, I must have that fear literally every day. Like I work with books, I move books onto shelves. I have two heavy bookshelves in my room. I'm just like always afraid I'm going to be crushed to death. No, this them. is why all my bookshelves are in my living room yeah, because I live in California and I know you. in the event of an earthquake that is going to be a problem um and and i'm never good at nailing them to the wall like you're supposed to yeah, because yeah. i'm always worried i'm going to want to move them and yeah. then you're left with like a giant hole in the wall um so the other thing that i noticed in this scene is that i'm pretty sure uh the fir- one of the vampires that drusilla uh not drusilla sorry one of the vampires that kendra's fighting is a blonde vampire i'm like positive that was buffy's stunt double i was like this looks like she's fighting buffy oh it's probably her stunt double <laughs> it probably is like they were probably like, like hey we do need- they have yeah yeah um, um, and you're already paying her to be there, so... But I will, you know, in, uh, Xander does okay in that fight. He, yeah. he stands up on his own, and Cordelia is able to escape, which she is embarrassed about later, but, like, it's 100% the right choice. She should have definitely no, do, run away, you know? And, I do love when Buffy tells her she did the right thing yeah. for him, because in Buffy's did, mind, yeah. it's one less person that ha- she had to worry about getting injured. And Cordelia has been there with him a lot, but she's not, you know, her strength is not physically fighting things. I mean, frankly, it's not Xander's either, but, like, he's he has done it before, so I think... I can understand, you know, and he does, he does try and save Cordelia. Like he's, you know, he's there doing his thing. And Giles is, is pretty successful for a while at fighting them off. You know, again, like we know that Giles is a little bit of a badass and he's going to continue, I think, to get even better at that stuff. Now knowing how frequently it's going to come up that he'll also need to fight. So uh, the only thing that ever always feels really cheap to me about this is like, okay, obviously this is another character that dies. It's another peripheral character. That's understandable like they're not killing off their main cast Mm -hmm. but they they so obviously just bring Kendra back in this episode to die because they haven't even mentioned her since what's my line like they like you kind of forget she even exists until she pops up again and then like she just she just comes back to provide a body that they can like have an affecting death something to like motivate Buffy but like it it can be like you can have Drusilla kill a slayer but it's not Buffy yeah that's true um 
And that's interesting because I was, yeah, yeah, I mean, you make a good point. And there are a lot of problems with Kendra and the way that they present her and what they choose to do with her, and I think all of that is true. Um, I do really like Kendra in this episode, though, and I, like, for as much as you're, you're right in that they've basically, kind of uncharacteristically, too, have, like, ignored her since she first appeared. I'm surprised that they didn't, like, name drop her at least a few times in the rest of the episodes, but, like, as soon as she showed up, I... I thought they did a really good job of capitalizing on like where her and Buffy left off. And like, now they have this totally different rapport. Like when Kendra gives her Mr. Pointy, like again, like I got a little mm-hmm. bit choked up and like, as much as you're right that they totally just sacrifice her because she is a peripher- peripheral character that they can lose. But I like have really distinct memory of the first time we watched this and being like crying in that scene when Buffy's running down the hallway. Like that still is a moment that really gets to me. And again, like kind of going back to, I think the in in the things that this episode is doing right and like what the writers have just like really succeeded at is like not only are they bringing their specific story to a close but like in ways that are really traditionally tragic you know multiple times are people just a minute too late to to stop what they could have otherwise stopped you know if Buffy had figured it out two minutes sooner she would have been there to stop Drusilla from killing Kendra and like that worked on me I think that that tragedy is like classic for a reason you know that structure of like being just two minutes too late is is effective um well, and I think there's a reason that scene of Buffy <clears throat> running sticks in the opening credits for so long. Yeah. Because it, it really is that perfect moment of her realizing being yeah. slightly too late and re- and she knows it. Like, she's yeah. she's honestly, like, I think not surprised that she gets there too late. I agree. Um, also, uh, t- two more things in that. I do, as much as, like, yeah, I guess they're going to totally forget about Kendra after this. They are going to continue to name drop Mr. Pointy. <laughs> <laughs> the steak that she gives Buffy. <laughs> well, I think because Buffy still keeps it. So. It's true, but I just think it's kind of funny now that I'm thinking, yeah. well, not funny, but messed up that, like, kind of like the way that they had that friend in uh, season one <laughs> that they immediately forget about. Like, oh, Kendra is this really important motivating factor, but they're never going to yeah. talk about her again. Well, and they um, don't really, like, like you said, she gives her Mr. Pointy, and she doesn't really, like, I assume she has another steak at hand, because why would she? But she doesn't, because away? that whole fight scene, she doesn't have a steak. Like, I was looking so for that's it. That's so stupid. It is, like, yeah, is she's is leaving stupid. her behind to guard them. And, like, Buffy's reason for leaving is so stupid anyway because she's yeah. like, oh, I can't risk Angel killing more people. But, like, that's what she's been doing this entire time is right. risking him killing more people. So, right. like, this particular incident, I don't know. It just feels like you can kind of see the gears working a little bit. That's um, interesting because I, 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 I think it made sense, enough sense to me. I don't. Other than Kendra being that ill-prepared, especially when they're in the library where we know they have weapons, like, it didn't make any sense. I guess this must have happened very quickly after Buffy left, but it it doesn't make sense. I don't think she would do that. Um, I also have a really distinct memory of, again, so we, season two is where I first started watching Buffy, and I caught you midway through this, this season, so I didn't see the very beginning of it. Maybe I had watched one or two episodes, but, like, caught it somewhere from after Angel turned and then we we must have binged it on like a Sunday <laughs> in that living room in uh, in our apartment senior year. Oh, um, yeah. And I remember sitting in Melissa's blue couch. Um, but I, uh, so like, first of all, I remember crying a lot this first time we watched it. And I also remember really loving that green jacket that Buffy's wearing, which like in retrospect, like I would never wear that, but I do, <laughs> I do still really like it for some reason. I don't know. I guess I thought long jackets were really cool that year. I don't think I they mean, were. <laughs> I, I personally love every time Buffy wears a long jacket because yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar is not tall. And um, it reminds me that <clears throat> the when people say that short people can't wear long jackets, mm, they're just wrong. I so see. 
We can totally wear them. <laughs> and, and Bucky said so, so okay. it's fine. Great. Well, if we um, ever find a jacket like that in a thrift store, I'll buy it. Oh, yeah, you should, totally should. Um, but, okay, so I do, there are some things about this death scene that I do like. Like, I think it's really cool that Drusilla kills Kendra the way she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's Drusilla, so, like, I love the way she just kind of looks at her and says, night, night. Yeah. <laughs> she was really great in this episode. I did really like, oh, that's right, Drusilla is, like, badass in her own right. She hasn't been traveling around with this pack of vampires for 100 years just to not learn anything, yeah. you know? And I think that... Um, you know, I think the immediate question is like, well, why hasn't Drusilla been killing anyone before like this? But, you know, up until halfway through the season, she was sick and injured. Yeah. And then once Angel kind of came back with them, you know, he has his own plan. So, like, she doesn't, it hasn't really well, come is, I think it has a more or less not come He is the alpha, up. so she's kind yeah. of following what he's doing. And, like, in this particular instance, like, That's obviously plan, yeah. Angel, like, let Drusilla loose. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, go yeah. have fun. And I like I like that aspect of it for some reason. I agree. Yeah. It was a good it's a good scene. And it's just again, like it's a good surprising way. Like, do I buy that Drusilla's nails are somehow razor razor sharp when she's definitely like built out of the same things humans are? Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it was a cool scene. I don't, I'm not gonna take it away from them. It's a very yeah. Drusilla way to kill someone, you know? Because like she she can fight and she's good in hand to hand combat too, and she's strong, but like it makes more sense to me that she has other strengths that she's gonna play on. Right. I think. Like, this is kind of the way for her to kill Kendra and get, like, the least messy mm-hmm. doing it. Because mm-hmm. um, Drusilla, like, as as, in, as evil she is, as into blood and gore as she seems to be, she also is sort of, like, delicate. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Prissy. doesn't really appear to love getting that messy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. This is a very Drusilla way to kill a slayer. Um, I, I do love how Spike is kind of honestly excited yeah, for her. He's like, drew back to Slayer? She didn't yeah. tell me. Yeah, like, <laughs> I loved Spike in this episode. But um, before, so before we get there, though, the other thing, so, right, you know, very shortly after this, right, like, so Buffy finds the bodies, and then the episode ends with, like, her getting caught by the, the cops. And mm-hmm. I thought, again, like, I was like, wow, I, I think that's a really clever cliffhanger to leave this one on, because I think the expected cliffhanger would be they drag Giles away and we don't know what's going to happen to him which is still happening in the background but again this like this is this was again like a moment where I thought again they've laid things throughout this season we saw the cops in the Ted episode maybe we've seen them in one or you know one or two other episodes so it's like we know that this does still occasionally these worlds collide with each other and so like that I, I just felt like it was a good way to like kind of add an extra layer of, oh, I well, I would not have expected that to be the cliffhanger, but it does make sense based on everything else that um, we've seen. It does and it doesn't because I agree with you that it adds an interesting wrinkle, although why they immediately jumped to Buffy being a suspect and trying to arrest her is beyond me because I Buffy, thought it was because Snyder called them. Okay, but, but like Buffy's not bloodied she's not she doesn't have a weapon she's so clearly just found a body and she's saying it's her friends like why are they jumping to this conclusion that she's mm. the suspect unless i Snyder's think Snyder called them, them and said this girl is causing ruckus in the library and then when they get there she tries to run i mean i agree like, that cops then they shoot at her there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense but like i feel like it i i think if someone told them she was the suspect then why would they not think that i mean i feel like he kind of says it when he realizes like she's the one involved like i think I mean, I don't even know, because you're right, like, who would have called the cops? I because, think it was Snyder, yeah. Yeah, because, like, why would he? So why this is the other thing that I was wondering. Outside? So this leads to a question that I had, because then we see this phone call between Snyder and someone at City Hall, yeah, and I, he's like, tell the mayor that it's done, or whatever. Or have, like, he said I have good news. Yeah, like, it's it like, make sense. <laughs> it's a little bit of foreshadowing for the next season, obviously, but also it's like, you 
in retrospect makes me wonder if the mayor is already laying his plans and this is his like easy way to like get the slayer out of like maybe but i feel his... like there's a moment in season three where he doesn't know buffy's the slayer okay but then why well, would it be good that. news that's, that I, that buffy got arrested that's what i thought i think out. that scene doesn't make sense in in retrospect See, I feel like it's kind of like asks, like raises questions of like how aware they actually were of her, and like also, like maybe they don't know mm-hmm. it's particularly her, but like, I mean, I don't know, but like Snyder making that phone call, like obviously someone at City Hall is like watching this situation mm-hmm. and like has decided that she's a problem that needs to be removed. That's what this it makes is, me think yeah, because there's no other explanation for the cops swooping in like this because like it doesn't make sense that she's a suspect. So other we'll than we do attention. see that. One of the cops that is, mm-hmm. questions Joyce is the one from Ted. Right, so he knows that she is capable right. of something like that, at least. Yeah. I, and I do think that's a good And t- I think that that's a together. nice callback yeah, that, like, kind of goes against Buffy, where, like, she has this history of she violence. She just got a record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God, that reminds me of another callback that now we've skipped over. But uh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But when they're uh, talking about working the curse... And Will is like, we need an orb with Thessala. I don't know what that is. And Giles is like, oh, I have one. I've been using it as a paperweight. That's what the store, the magic shop owner told Jenny when he sold it to her. Yes. And he was like, oh, I mostly sell them as paperweights. So I was like, well, and well also done, kind everyone. of it's That's also funny. a callback in a way that kind of makes you wonder because part of the reason they found out Jenny was even doing this was because she went to that store and bought an orb of Thessala. And mm. had she just used Giles's, they never would have known. That's a great point. So she should have, if only she had been honest with them all. This is why you've got to communicate, people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But again, I mean, like, what's more more tragic than, like, in Romeo and Juliet, it's all miscommunications that end up, you know, makes everything end up the way it does. So I like this mixed signals and just missing people. It is, I like it. Yeah. Um, So I want to get into part two Mm -hmm. more of, like, the consequences of all of this. Mm -hmm. But first I want to talk about, so we, we talked about all the angel flashbacks, but... Um, so much like Drusilla is a part of the the one in the church, oh, yeah. Buffy, Buffy is very yeah. much a part <laughs> of this other one. And we so we see the show's version of basically mm-hmm. the movie. The movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which, no, I which just, I thought was a nice window into maybe this was how Joss Whedon always intended it to go. Like this is his redo in mm-hmm. a way. Um, Though it's very similar. A, it's not very yeah, different. It's, it's similar, but it's, it's different enough where, um, you know, Buffy's, there's a different situation where she's first approached. Um, uh, obviously, Merrick is just as blunt in mm-hmm. this, though. And about creepy. Like, oh, hi, are you Buffy? Cool, you're the Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a little bit interesting. But we get a little more insight into um, what leads to the show, where, you know, Buffy gets called, and she fights her first vampire, and she comes home, and um, her whole world has kind of changed. But we also see the impact that it has on her home life immediately, right. where she's in trouble because she stayed out so late. Her parents are fighting about mm-hmm. it. And we also hear, you know, it's a nice callback to nightmares where Buffy worries that she's the, she's the her reason her parents got divorced. Yeah. But then also it's a nice callback to Joyce's insecurities about being a good mother Mm -hmm. where, you know... And being um, the disciplinarian, yeah. Yes, her ex-husband is yelling at her that she makes it impossible for him because he's always the disciplinarian because she can't discipline Buffy. And so we kind of get more insight into, like, Joyce Mm -hmm. in the first episode, like, determined to be a disciplinarian, determined to put her foot down, Mm -hmm. and kind of in the next season and a half of, like, her failures to do so because, like, Buffy's just, like... Buffy's sorry that she has to do this to her mom, but, mm-hmm. like, the world needs her. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I thought that was a kind of a nice little um, 
vignette. It where is, although I wish Buffy wasn't so, like sucking on a lollipop throughout it. Like, yeah. I know what they're going for with it, but I was just like, oh my God, just stop. Um, but yeah, no, and you know, and again, what I think is nice about that scene is that it does, it really does lend extra weight to the fallout that her and her mom have in the second half. You know, I, I think it is nice to have seen, I do think that was something that we were missing from their particular story together, that it was nice to have that piece of information before we watched their fallout. I think it was important to have that. Yeah. Unlike where I'm saying where like some of these things that Whistler's bringing up, I think are just things that they think we need to know, but don't really have any, like I don't, it didn't affect my feelings about Buffy and Angel to know why he found her in the first place, because basically I've been going this whole two seasons without knowing that anyway. So like, not to say that I wouldn't have liked it covered at some point, but like, I don't felt, I didn't feel like that made their, their conclusion, their climax fight. Like it didn't make that any stronger to me. Yeah. But where like the flip side, I think this scene with Joyce was really important to see that, you know, that's right. Buffy has, and again, like Buffy's not responsible for their divorce, but her being the Slayer has definitely impacted her family and specifically her relationship with her mother. So like, you know, no, I think it's I'm true. Kind of and now, um, <clears throat> we kind of see the beginning of that. And yeah. I don't know. I think it, it makes her like a more well-rounded um, scene when she and Buffy fight. Yeah. Well, and because this episode. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing that is giving to that scene is knowing that Buffy has been aware of this the whole time. It's not like she didn't know she was hurting her mother by doing this stuff. It's just that she had to make this choice because it was more important and and well, so, that's like, like when is, Joyce yeah. is like, have you tried not being a slayer? <laughs> right. like, it's like, like, of course she has, like, <laughs> yeah. so much. But, yeah. like, it just keeps coming up because, like, this is what destiny means is, like, mm-hmm. at least what it should mean is, like, the idea of destiny is that it's beyond your control. Mm-hmm. Like, Buffy can try all she wants to live a normal life, but the stuff is going to keep popping up around her because just by the fact that she is the slayer means she's a magnet for this mm-hmm. stuff. It's so unfair. I mean, and then, yeah, just kind of speaking of unfair, I mean, I do think this episode, the second half, picks up in exactly the right place, right? Which is like, well, first of all, we see Buffy's kind of weird showdown with the cops, but then we have to see all the consequences, which are Willow's in a coma, Xander's broken his arm, Cordelia ran three counties, and Giles is kidnapped. Like, And it's like right off the bat, it's just like boom, boom, boom. Like everything bad that could have happened, happened. So, well, you know, I guess everybody could have been dead, but otherwise it's like, it is, it, it, like Buffy has to go immediately deal with the, emotional fallout and the like actual fallout of like not I wasn't there and I had to go see all my friends dying um yeah I think um, that also, scene was she good she dresses like a cat burglar I know why is she to doing to the hospital making herself way more <laughs> conspicuous um yeah and uh, yeah I, I okay, forget so what else I was gonna I, say about that I other than like one, Cordelia being sweet this so I'm looking at my notes and I remembered one more thing that bugged me about Buffy running into Whistler mm-hmm. and it's like he is implying that he's here because he heard about Ekathla and like mm-hmm. this whole thing and he's saying oh I, t- I assume this was going to be Angel's shining moment like yeah so he obviously hasn't been keeping up with Angel this whole time but like then it's like okay now I'm questioning did he introduce Angel to Buffy because he knew this Ekathla thing was going to happen like uh I just, this is an yeah. example of, like, why bring him in. Does yeah, I agree. More and again, like, he literally doesn't tell her anything useful in that first interaction as she leaves. She sa- she literally says something to him to the effect of, like, well, you're not going to tell me anything that I'm going to leave. And then he doesn't tell her anything. And then when she's halfway out the door, he's like, oh, sorry. You know, and I was like, stop, stop. Yeah. Just call her back and say, you're right. I'll explain everything. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, it's also interesting to me that everyone thinks that Angel and the, the vampires attacked them at the school because they were doing the spell. That's true, yeah. I mean, because what at this else point they, they don't know yeah. that Giles has been kidnapped and um, they don't realize that it was all a ruse to get Giles to help mm-hmm. Angel with the ritual with the Kafla. But, like, I mean, it's not an illogical leap because that's why right. Ginny I got agree. attacked. Yeah. So, um, but now they kind of realize, like, oh, Giles isn't here. Wait, Giles isn't here. And then right. it's kind of like, oh. Um, and then we get Jane, uh, we get Xander's least impressive moment on the show to date. Uh, and I'm not even talking about him telling Buffy to go give him hell. Is it the I love you Willow bit? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why did uh, it take her literally almost dying for you to realize any of this? Even if it wasn't romantic love, like she's your best friend and he I He didn't even you. call yeah. Oz. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although I, I'll forgive him that because I think they were rushing to get to the hospital and he has up until this moment been getting a cast on, so... I guess, you know, but he's he was like, also oh, I injured. totally forgot. Yeah. Also, it's weird to me that Oz wasn't with them when they were doing the spell. That's true. Like, he's just, like, weirdly out of the loop until he's suddenly in the loop because Willow's yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't afford, um, well, I would say they couldn't afford Seth Green for he was both already episodes, in them. but yeah. he was already in it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is a little bit weird. No, you're right. I mean, I hated that scene. I, I, I mean, Xander, these never are, been these so are among... proud of Willow as when she whispered Oz's name. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, this, this, these two episodes, or really this, this second half is the crux of like why I sort of hate Xander, you know, and I want him to be redeemed from it. I just wish that in later seasons, they would have him acknowledge all the mistakes that he made because I think the thing that you often argue and I think is fair is like he is a 17 year old boy and he is dealing with a lot of complicated you know not just emotions but like complicated situations so like I'll I'll give him that he no I mean like also demons and shit (laughs) you know like I can I can give him that like he does he's gonna make mistakes because like literally who can look back on their teenage years and not and not be like oh I'm so embarrassed about all these things that I did um and said but the fact that he's never really gonna come to terms with that or apologize for them later is is annoying but yeah you know why why does it take this happening for him to realize that he loves Willow even if it's and it's unclear I think a little bit in this scene how exactly he means it but I guess he does mean it romantically I always took it as he means it romantically because he kind of has that right. pause and then yeah. he's like, oh. Yeah, I, um, I think you're right. Yeah. Which makes it more know. insufferable. But either way, like, I, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, Cordelia, on the other hand, is completely charming in all of these scenes. I love her. I love every time we get to see the softer side of Cordelia, which is when actual things are happening, she can put aside her pettiness and her meanness to just be helpful, to like just get Xander whatever he needs to support Willow and to, like I said, to, to run and take care of herself the way that she should. Like, she's just making nothing but good decisions in this whole episode. Yeah. Um, at least as, insofar as her character goes, right? Like, she's not... Could she? I guess she could be more badass or something, but that's not her, and she's not doing... That's, I wouldn't expect that. Yeah. Um, so... Okay, so Xander's universally terrible in this episode. Mm-hmm. We... I just don't want to dwell on it anymore because... Yeah, that's... Ah, it's so... Like... Well, I mean, the other thing is that he tells Buffy to kick his... I do like that it has these far-reaching consequences. That's a... Yeah, and that is a good point. It's, again, another miscommunication where, like, if Buffy had known Willow was going to try the curse again, yeah, maybe she would have been able to stop him better, differently. Honestly, maybe she would have just, like, tried to tie him up somewhere, you know? Like... Maybe, but I I, I mean, really the way that it plays out in the fight scene, though, is that, like you said, she's distracted when he touches it, so I'm not sure she would have been able to stop him. 
anyway. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Like, I think we get some callbacks in later seasons where she, she partially blames Xander a little bit for this. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know what it really would have changed. Because... I think, yeah. I don't think it would have changed the outcome, but I think it changes how she feels about Xander. You know, again, it's like, yeah, I don't think it would have meant they could have saved yeah. Angel. But I do think it, it, it hurts that in a moment of need and at the bequest of his now proclaimed beloved, right? Like, he's just decided he loves Willow. She asks him to do a thing, and he doesn't do it. Like, it just is bad. Yeah, like, Xander, you just realize all these deep feelings, and you're still just, like... Gonna betray her, the one thing that your coma friend has just asked you to do, and you're not gonna do it. Because you're still hung up (laughs) on this other girl. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, you're right. This is not an episode that's going to redeem Xander in any way. No, but it is gonna redeem Spike a little bit. Maybe. You know, Are these scenes I, great with him? At a minimum, they're is, delightful. Okay, do you think that the, these are the episodes uh-huh. where the showrunners were like, Maybe. because obviously this would be the end of this arc, right? Like right. Spike and Drew are leaving town yeah. and like it could be the end. But I feel like this has to be the episodes where they were like, well, we got to get this guy back. I think, <laughs> because yeah. And, he's and, so good. And specifically, like, their rapport fighting together as people that don't like each other is, it's great. Like, oh, it's a perfect so odd couple. And and can I just say again, like, I I love him and Joyce, them sitting oh my in God. the living room. Have we best. met? <laughs> <laughs> and they hit me with an axe. Like, everything about it is so great. And it also really sets up, like, what, you know, so, uh, uh, again, like, it, I don't, Joyce has found out about this. Obviously, she's going to be in future seasons, even though her and Buffy have had this falling out now. But I think it does really set up, like, what's one of Joyce's, like, one of the best things about her is how much of a mom she is to everybody. That, like, she never judges any of Buffy's weirdo demon friends. Like, she, even knowing that, I mean, granted, this is smart, maybe not, but, like, knowing that Spike is maybe a demon and maybe a bad guy, she's still, like, well, how long have you lived in town? Like, she's always going to be there to, like, welcome people and to make them feel included in a way that is just, like, so beautiful and very, like, she's just so caring, and I, I just love her. And I love them together. And that they're going to later talk about, like, soap operas is, like, it's never going to not be gold. It's always great. They, I will say that the Spike and Joyce friendship is something I look forward mm-hmm. to. <laughs> Me too. But um, yeah, but just Spike in general in all these scenes is just, like, he's hilarious. He tries to kill the cop before Buffy's like, no, we just made an alliance. You can't keep killing people. And he's like, oh, right. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. And I mean, I do think that they're... And he this, has his like moment of glory when Angel's like, well, who's here to help you? And Spike finally stands up and he's like... Smacks him in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing that is interesting is that this is actually probably one of the longer conversations that we've really seen Buffy and Spike have, you know, up until this point, they've been adversaries and they haven't been other than when they're coming to blows, they haven't really been talking. So it is interesting to kind of watch them. Like I said, like watch their rapport develop into what it's going to be, which is like antagonistic, but on the same side. And I think that it, it, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff that comes later is going to be pulled from this interaction and kind of just how it ended up working out. Yeah. I think that they do a good job playing that dynamic and it's fun. So Although what Um, I was confused about, and I think, like, again, well, what didn't make sense to me is at the very end, I think it's a very spike thing to say, like, oh, he's going to kill her, Eh, whatever, I don't really care. But if his whole thing was, I don't want the world to end, it does seem irresponsible to let Buffy die. Well, so this is the thing. So yeah. I think at this point, Spike doesn't realize that it's Angel's open. kind of pulled the sword. Like, yeah. like no one, no one stops to think of like, hey, Angel has a sword now. Where yeah. did he get it? Yeah. Um, because Spike's thing Distracted. is like he's just going to skip town, but True. like 
if a couple of rains held on on Earth, I don't know that there's like Doesn't it stops stop at, at the next county. Yeah. Like I think it's like the whole thing. I guess you're right. I guess yeah. he just assumed it. He didn't have it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the other thing we're skipping over is like the torture scene with Giles and how they finally worm this information out of him. Um, I will say of, like I said, obviously we've been, I've been nitpicking things here and there. The only things that I don't like about this episode are Whistler. And I don't like when Angel says, I really want to torture you. It falls flat for me every single time. Every time I cringe, I hate it. I I don't bother me that he wants to torture Giles, but I don't like that he says it so explicitly. Well, and also it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, unless he just wants to torture Giles because he knows it's going to hurt Buffy. But, like, at this mm, point, yeah. the weird thing I would say about this entire finale is it's not about, like, we see at the beginning Angel watching Buffy. And mm-hmm. it's, like, you kind of think that that's going to be the whole goal. But, like, then we get this whole Akatha thing and, like, Angel's kind of got a side thing going on okay. where he's, like, really distracted and, like, why is he so into torturing Giles? Because, like, his motivation now for the for these two episodes is not because he's like, oh, yeah, I just want to really stick it to Buffy. It's like, he's like, hey, what would be fun is if we, like, brought hell to Earth. Mm-hmm. Like, well, sounds cool. Like, it's like it's like he's taken a vacation to go, like, you know, have a party. I do feel like it... it I think he's allowed to want to torture Giles and want to torture Buffy at the same time. Like, I don't know why he couldn't be capable of both of those things. But I will bring up a, a point that um, Alex made to me that I don't agree with, but I think ties in nicely with what you're saying, or just an interesting thing to think about, even if it's not ultimate. Like I said, it's not, I don't agree with it, but um, Angel does, like, does Angel just want to do this thing so that he can finally escape Buffy? Because, like, even as Angelus, he is carrying, like, not a romantic torch for her, but he can't get her out of his head. He can't stop obsessing over her. Like, maybe he does think, he, and kind of some of the things that he says are about, like, oh, now we'll all be free. Like, is he trying to escape what has continued to be a torment on him. Like, even as Angelus, he hasn't really been free from, not guilt, but, like, feelings. Well, and you could argue that his attempts at hurting her have been half-hearted at best, Mm -hmm. because he's never, like, forthrightly attacked Buffy. Like, he's always coming at her in these weird ways, and you could argue that, like, he gets his kicks from, like, making really elaborate plots. But Mm -hmm. also, the question is, like, does Angel realize, like, he... And for some reason can't actually kill Buffy right. because exactly. like, he I, is still obsessed with her and if he kills her then she goes away mm-hmm. and he can't do this anymore so, so like <laughs> that's a good point I so like I don't I don't think that the reason he's interested in this plot is ultimately that but I do feel like he is carrying complicated feelings still even as jealous and he won't admit it and he gets so mad every time something reminds him of it right like in the in the last episode with the possession in the ghosts um I only have eyes for you. Like he's so mad every time he remembers it. I, I do think that a little bit of that is some of his motivation. Uh, but it, it can't be so much because, like, then we see them have this sword fight, and he he does try to kill her. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I mean, I don't. I, I'm not making the argument that he doesn't want to kill her. I think he's. I think the reason no, he's I'm, been. No, you're making me question whether he really wants to I, kill her. I think he because, like, uh, you're right. Like. Like, honestly, you would argue this whole thing, like, if he really wanted to kill her, he would have done it already. No, 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 because I do think what is well established is that when he picks a target, he draws it out. So I think that that part does check out. Has he been wait? He's been waiting for the right moment to kill her. And I think maybe doing it in front of a Cathla when she's going to also have to watch herself fail as a slayer is, like, that. I think that makes sense to me. I ultimately do yeah. think that he, he thinks that when they unleash this hell, he's going to be in power more, and he thinks that's what he's going to get out of it. And I do think that that makes sense with what a thing that Angel would want to do. 
So, but I do think it's interesting to think about it in terms of what, what complicated issues is he still dealing with Buffy? Because they are definitely still there. We know that like, like call back to way back when, when, um, um, Willow tells Buffy like, well, you're still the only thing he thinks about. Like, I do think that part is also true. Yeah. No matter how exactly he means it. Mm. Yeah. Well, regardless of his motivations for all of this, the end result is like he yeah pulls this sword out of a kafla, and a badass sword fight happens. I love oh that my scene. God. It is, I mean, regardless of whether you think those actors can pull off a convincing sword fight, like it's I love great. It. Yeah. And um, I, we haven't really seen Buffy fight with a sword before. No, and I like that she can wield it really well. And like you yeah. said, the, what you talked about before, the moment that she catches the sword, like, it's just such a beautiful moment. I love it. When she's really she's centered, she's really do. focused. Yeah. And when she wants to, she is a really great fighter, you know, who can pull it out emotionally as well to, like, pull everything that she needs up from herself to, to do this. Yeah. Um... And obviously we get the emotional stakes of the fact that she's fighting Angel essentially to the death Mm -hmm. over this. Um, And so we get this very, arguably the most famous scene Mm -hmm. in Buffy um, where she has to sacrifice Angel for great love to save the world. As he is coming back into remembering everything, you know, the way, again, like, the way those lines are written when he says, like, I don't know what's happening, please help me. Like, he's so desperate in that moment. It feels like I haven't seen you in in months. months. I'm gonna start crying again. It's so sad. Like, again, like, it's just the perfect tragedy. Like, she can't do anything to stop it at that point. And it's just so sad. And she knows the decision she's making and the way too that she like tries to comfort him and make it as easy for him as she can is like, as just heart wrenching. Like, okay. So I do want to mention because this is the first time I think I ever noticed this. So, so Buffy's, she knows she has to kill him. She knows Angel is oblivious to what is going on. Mm -hmm. Like he's kind of like, why are we having a sword fight? (laughs) Um, so she tells him, she says, close your eyes, Mm -hmm. but Okay, do you remember in the very first scene of these two episodes, that's what Darla says to Angel when she's going to change him. She says, close your eyes. And I thought it was a very interesting parallel of Angel making this choice to essentially become a vampire. So Darla's saying, close your eyes to make it easier to not frighten him. Like Mm -hmm. he's making this decision to sort of be, in a way, born as this vampire. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you see Buffy saying it to him because she, he's about to die. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's both, they're both deaths in a way. Yeah. But, like, you see these two women who are just like, okay, close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was an interesting parallel. That I is, don't know if that was just, like, a, I'm sure a lack they of meant, variety no, of the wording I feel like or that if it's, like, is intentional. Yeah. It's interesting, too, though, because I, I like your reading on it that he's making a choice with, with Darla. But I also think you could read it as both of these, like really all the stuff that happens to Angel in the arc of this, these two episodes is like things repeatedly happen to Angel that he has no control over, which is, I guess the point that the overbearing narration is trying to make in that, like he never gets to choose his fate. He doesn't get to choose any of these things and they all happen to him. And then he has to react to it. So like all of Angel's character is built on how he deals with these things. You could, you could say that part of it is him reacting to the consequences, but also I think part of this too, that the narration is trying to like, nail into the theme Mm -hmm. or whatever is like also 
these are things that, yes, are happening to Angel that he doesn't have control over, but at the same time, these things are happening as a result of his own actions. Like, you could argue that he's cursed and has no control over that, but it happens because he kills this girl. That's true, yeah. He... Yeah. He, he he loses his soul because he and Buffy have sex and like he doesn't well, know that that's going to happen. But yeah. that's also still a result of this curse that happens because of his own actions. And all of it is this like trickle down effect, like spiraling out of a pattern of his ultimate decision to say yes to Darla. I want to go see the world. Like, but I really do think there's no way he could have known she was going to turn him into. Of a course not. I do think no, he would have made it's that not, choice either way. But I think that's way, the point. Is like you're making these decisions and you don't know the the end result and consequences, but you still make them and then you still have to deal with your right. your decisions. So like, this is all to say like Buffy makes this ultimate decision of yes, I'm going to sacrifice Angel because I. In a way, well, I have no choice. I have to save the world. But also, she could decide she, to hell with it. I'll keep yeah. Angel and see what happens. We'll find another way. She doesn't do that. She decides, I have to kill Angel. Yeah. She kills him. And now, for the next season or whatever, <laughs> we'll see the yeah. results of the consequences of those actions. So what I think is interesting, though, uh, I, I think kind of what you're... Part of what you're saying is... Or part of what I'm getting out of this is that maybe, again, the kind of contrast that they're painting between Angel and Buffy... Again, like kind of painting her as she's the hero of the story. Obviously, the show's named after her, and we know that she's the hero. Even though Angel is a good guy, she's the one that has to do everything ultimately. But I think what's interesting is, uh, and again, like I think we could read Angel's scenes multiple ways, and I think that those all all check out. But I think if he maybe, you know, ultimately he lets things happen to him repeatedly. And she makes decisions. So I think that that is interesting that like all the terrible things that happen to him, yes, they're the result of his consequences, but it's also a lot of him just like allowing things to happen to him. Whereas like Buffy gets to this crucial moment and she makes a decision. She makes a complete decision with no ambiguity. The thing that I'm going to do is stop the world from ending, even if it means killing my own one and only love in this world. And I just think that like, that is a really interesting, like, depiction of her ultimate strength and like how heroic she is, is because she's the one who can make decisions. And again, like, I think that is going to be a thing that we'll see throughout the show is like Buffy makes the hard choices and she'll do it every time. And I, well, and I, 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 like I mean, like, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree with what you're saying because this is getting a little bit far ahead, yeah. but in three more seasons, yeah. we're going to see her decide that, that she again. doesn't want to make those choices anymore. Oh, and she true. refuses true. to sacrifice another person. True. And like, that's, you know, true. Um, when she ultimately decides that it's time to, to go sacrifice yeah. herself. But, um, but I really like yeah. this contrast between Angel not making decisions and just letting whatever happens happens and her pulling out the strength to make the decisions because it is harder to do that. You know, it's harder to be the one who, who makes a choice because then the consequences that happen, you can't, pretend they're not well, your fault, you know? Like, again, I, I, think I don't know if it's so much that Angel's more passive because he does make some decisions that lead to the things that happen to him, but I think it's really what it is is Buffy's thinking through the consequences a little bit more than Angel. I think that's a different point than what I'm trying to make, though. I'm trying to say one reading... But I'm, I guess I'm saying I don't know if I agree that Angel's really that passive. I'm not saying I agree with that 100%. I'm saying I think there's multiple ways to read the Angel scenes, and, like, one yeah. skin that we could put on it is all these are the decisions that he's made. They, these are all the consequences of the poor life choices he's made. And I think another way to read it is things always happen to Angel, and then he has to react to them, and he is passive. I, I'm not I'm not saying one is the right one. I'm just saying I think yeah. these are multiple ways to Because, I mean, like, in this it. particular episode, like, <clears throat> he makes a very active decision to open a Kathla. Like, it didn't happen to him. I know, but I mean, every time he's been cursed or recursed, I think you could yeah. definitely make an okay, argument that curse, he's not... Sure he's not making those choices. He didn't ask for his soul back when Willow gives it to him. He didn't ask for it the first time. 
you know, again, like, yes, these are consequences, but they're not decisions. He didn't decide to make that happen. And had he known that, maybe he wouldn't have killed that girl, you know. True. These are things that happened to him. Anyway, um, anyway, I just think I, I, okay, I, at a minimum, I think it's a nice thing to think that one of the things that makes Buffy so strong is that she will make decisions. Because <laughs> I do think that's yeah. a hard thing to do, even just in regular non-supernatural life. Like, when you really commit to something, that means you're taking a risk. Well, and so... Speaking of decisions, like we see her make more decisions after this. Yeah. That yeah. I, I quite. I mean, so uh. I like to think like if if, she, if 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 Willow's spell had worked in time, Buffy hadn't had to kill Angel. Like she might have just gone home and been like, "Hey, mom, let's talk it out" or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like I think the combo of now Angel's gone. Her mother told her not to come back. Mm-hmm. Snyder suspended her. Like in her mind, like Excelled there's no her. reason to yeah. stay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Expelled. There's no reason to stay. Well, like, I and think she's. Yeah. I think it's like isolated one at a time. Yeah. Taking she down everything. Yeah. But all in combo. Like You're she's right. instead of saying, okay, let me figure this out. It's like, well, you know, I mean, and it's I, all it, too much. And I do think she's right when she's fighting, when she's about to fight Angel or when she's fighting him at some point, she does say like, I don't have anything left. So I'm just going to do this is not like, I don't think she's being overdramatic. I think she's right. Yeah. She can't talk to her mom. She can't talk to her friends. She can't go to school. Like, what is she going to do if not save the world and then be done with it? Like, yeah, so maybe her choices yeah. are easier in a way, but also not. Um, I'm annoyed that we didn't... I want to end the conversation here, but we skipped over a big thing, which is how this whole curse and the translation has made absolutely zero sense because when Will is performing the curse in bed, she tells Oz, you don't need to understand it, you just need to say it. So it's also why, Latin. Well, she, when she's speaking, she's speaking in Romanian. And when he's speaking, I think he is speaking in Latin. I don't know. She's definitely speaking okay. in Romanian, and I know that because I was watching it with the subtitles on. Okay, but also think about it. It doesn't make any sense because the magics were lost to Jenny's people, and right. yet somehow a high school girl in California can just pull off this spell. Well, no problem. I mean, I think... I do love when Willow kind of comes to after mm-hmm. being sort of possessed, and she's kind of like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that you're right that at this point that is... It's unclear, but... You know, having watched the whole show, I think that there is, again, an argument to be made that Willow is a very adept, is very adept at witchcraft. And so these things do take to her easier, easily, more easily, because we're going to see her do almost that exact same thing in season seven. Like, I think when she calls on spirits, they do come into her in a way that we don't see it happen to other people. And I think that that's part of the one one part of the reasons that she has this really complicated uh, history and interaction with witchcraft. I do think she's yes. susceptible she's to it. She's a very powerful mm-hmm. witch, but still the logistics of how this was all not supposed to be possible is just something I have to choose to let go because well, and the, whole, the inconsistencies around this curse are driving me nuts, yeah, that, honestly. Yeah, that Jenny got killed because she developed a translation that it turns out they didn't even need. <laughs> she could have just well, said she it. she might have needed it to do it. Like, Why? There's when Willow and them start the curse, uh, Oz is reading it, in Latin or Romanian, and then Willow is saying it in English, but she literally says the words to him, you don't have to understand what it means. And she does append that with a, like, I hope. But, like, he's just reading it, the words. So why did they need to know the translation? Yeah, I... It's confusing, yeah. I, let's uh, just stop asking. Yeah, 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 yeah. It like... doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I... I have one big nitpick with mm-hmm. the this episode. Um... And it goes into the next season, too, 
and this is this whole thing of like maybe in the whole like legacy of the show of like this thing that is very famous about Buffy is like especially this finale like Buffy had to sacrifice her boyfriend her this man that she loves like she kills her boyfriend to save the world mm-hmm. blah 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 but we never really address the fact I mean it, it's it leaves open the door for season three but we never really address the fact that like I'm sorry but Buffy did not kill Angel true because he's a vampire. She did not stake him. She did not behead him. She, from what hmm. it looked like, stabbed him in the stomach. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing the thing is, is like blood opens the thing, blood closes it. Like yeah. Angel cut his hand to open the tomb and then she shed more of his blood and yeah. it closes it magically, blah, blah, blah. And also sends him into a hell dimension, which is essentially as an outcome is essentially that? the same yeah. as killing him. Because, I think it is. Yes. But it's just this thing where I'm like, I'm see. But I think I do think that's a nitpick because in yeah, the moment, the really decision that she's nitpick. making is to be to never see him again. So maybe he's not technically dead, but he's dead to her and to their world. As far as she knows, that's the end of it. She doesn't know he's going to come back, you know. And even we, the viewers, see? don't. Jenny, shh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we have been good in this episode about not spoiling literally everything that's going to happen after this, but. We know that Angel has a show, obviously comes back. <laughs> we don't How know that it's when? not a prequel. Oh, what? fair enough. But we've... Oh, no, actually we do, because we've said many times yeah. that Cordelia's on it. Well, right, so. yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the choice that she's making, and in if we had watched this in real time on TV, that's basically killing him. We don't know that... We don't know at all what the consequences will be, but she has banished him to hell, which in, like, our world, what hell means is dead. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I mean, again, right. they're going to come up with explanations so that they can bring him back. But at the time, the choice that she's making is definitely one to kill him or to end his existence, which is a splitting hairs if we want to call that not dead. You know, I don't know. I was like running this morning and I just like I have this moment. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I think there's no way to argue that the choice Buffy's not making is one to kill him, even if yeah. that's not the actual outcome of it later. I think it's just like I would prefer her to say like, and then I sent him to hell. Like, oh, you don't like the way she talks about it. Yeah. But again, I think that in her memory, the reason that it's, that it's does what it does to her is because she made the choice to kill him. She did make that choice. I definitely think that's the choice that she's making no matter what happens later. So I think that's the way she's going to remember it because she's not going to remember the time I banished him to hell briefly. And then he came back. She's going to remember the time that, that how awful it was for her to have to make that choice. Um, regardless of what happens semantically speaking, mm-hmm. um, this is a very powerful finale it is i mean it really in a way i don't know that they ever top it you know it was funny because i've long said that season three is my favorite finale and when we get through that i'll maybe we'll kind of rehash that or i will you know i still okay i will admit at this point it still is i think season i was gonna say i think season three is still my favorite but honestly watching these like i was just floored i they're so good it's so perfect it's a hundred percent what you want a serial story to conclude, you know, like I said, like they set everything up and then they knocked it all down. And in ways that again, like there's lots of things that we've been nitpicking, but like emotionally a hundred percent of this worked for me. It all made sense to me, you know? Yeah. And think about it. Like from a standpoint of watching this season three, hasn't even been written yet, like aired, you don't know. It's a very gutsy finale. Like you've basically taken your central romance that you've built the the show on the back of like it's the thing that's getting a million teen girls to like sure. spoon over your show and like tune in and watch it and you've basically said sorry yeah. like we yeah. killed him and like it's very gutsy like you know they kill Kendra who's you know whatever mm-hmm. um but it's it's a very like 
I think mo- way more satisfying than the last season finale sure. because the the problem with Prophecy Girl is Buffy's killing the master and we don't, don't care, care about, about the master at yeah. like at all. They're not even. But really everyone enemies. involved in this, the you could argue that Angel's the big bad, but you could also argue that it's this trio of Spike and Drusilla and Angel. If we finally have vampires that she's fighting that actually seem worthy mm-hmm. of her fighting and that we care about in the end, we've had an entire season to get to know them and, like, know what they're up to. And, like, in a way, it's kind of sad seeing Spike and Drusilla skip town and Angel get killed. But, like, it's also... I mean, God, imagine this finale of, like... I mean, this is, like, the episode that first made me aware that this was a show that existed because I came into school the next day mm-hmm. and people were like, oh my God, it was so sad when Buffy had to kill Angel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, there's a TV show? I thought it was just a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, I mean, me and being- as I mentioned several times, we watched this senior year of college together and that this was the moment that was like, oh, now I'm going to watch the rest of the show with you. Like, this is what convinced me that this show was worth watching. Not that I wasn't enjoying some of the stuff that we had been seeing, but like, like I said, yeah, this is definitely the moment where I was like, I remember crying in our living room and I remember being like, oh, well, I guess I have to watch the rest of this now. <laughs> well, and I remember because this was really fun for me because this was a time where certainly spoilers existed on the internet, but it was a little bit like the things weren't really on DVD as much. Mm-hmm. Like it was harder to kind of like know things about a show before you mm-hmm. watch it. And I didn't know. And I remember yeah. you had no idea yeah. like what was going to happen. And I just remember like sitting in my chair, like, you know, yeah, I think like, I was mad twist, at you. Like, twiddling my fingers together, like watching you, like watching I'm you watch the show. That I, like, if not, oh did throw something at you, intended to throw like a pillow, not something real, but like, I'm sure I was mad at you. <laughs> How dare yeah, because, you make like, me watch this thing that now I'm crying about and have to spend like, six But like watching it, you like obviously more. going into it, we're probably like, Oh my god! Like, how's it? How are they going to pull this yeah. off? Like, because like, because like the way they also kind of set it up while you're watching it is like you definitely think the end result from everything you've ever watched about a show, like right. the show, they're going like, to magically pull out a solution. Mm-hmm. Angel's going to get his soul back, and everything's going to be okay. And then like I'm like watching you watch this, <sighs> knowing that's not what's about to happen. And like, well, oh, it's so fun. And again, like just speaking to like the layers of tragedy that they've kind of worked into this episode. And like again, like or I keep saying again, that's like apparently my tick my verbal tick but um the like that they do curse him again but that they do it when it's too late like everything is too late and it just makes it so much worse you know if she just had to kill angel this still would have been a really effective finale i think she still has to kill the man that she loves because he's turned evil and now she has to do that like that still would have been really hard to watch and i think she still would have been really upset about it but like literally watching her like she's crying as she does it and she has to just like steal herself completely in order to do this thing because he not only is he uh, the guy that she loves again not only does he tell her that she loves him but he's confused and he doesn't know what's going on and like to just have to like i can't explain it to you i can't forgive you i have to just be done with it it's just like it's so brutal like so much meaner that they curse him again when it's too late than if they just let him you know curse him before he does anything or let him say evil and let her kill him like either one of those you know I mean, obviously they had to do it this way because it's the worst one, but, like, it's still just, ugh. Yeah. <sighs> I didn't even mind that sappy song at the end because I was so emotional at that point. I, I will say it is one... <laughs> it is a... That song is something that I always look forward to in the finale because uh, I know it's coming, and I think it's the only one that ever gets, like, a song like that. Mm. Um, but it's also, yeah. like it kind of puts you in the moment of like, you know, Buffy's sad. She's got her overalls on and she's on a bus out of town. Like, 
And you get that very weirdly optimistic for Sunnydale sign of like, come back soon. And it's like, <laughs> would anyone really want to come back to Sunnydale? Yeah. But, but we don't know where Buffy's going. We don't know what's going to happen. We get this, the gut punch <clears throat> moment of Willow, like ever optimistic. Yeah. Like maybe it worked and they're off somewhere. Together, and then like Buffy yeah. will be back. I know. And everyone's kind of like, Meh. sure. <laughs> and like you said before, watching her mom find that note on her bed and just like, uh, obviously Joyce has made a mistake, and if she could take... I think it's clear at that point that she would take it back. You know, this is not what she meant. I think it's clear that's as soon thing, as she says it, yeah, and Buffy leaves, exactly. Joyce is like, she oh, didn't God. Mean it. Like, that's the thing you say in the heat of the moment, yeah. So yeah. to watch her have to suffer for it, too, you know, like, Joyce is... She's a, a mother, but she's way, still a human. Like, she's going to make mistakes. Yeah, it's like her last-ditch effort to, like, lay down the law. Yeah. Like, here's the biggest threat I can give Ugh. you, and, like it's got to work and it doesn't yeah. work. And I think that's her moment of realizing like one, I can't believe I said that. And two, yeah. like obviously this is bigger. And like, it, it might be the best thing to convince her that Buffy's not lying yeah. because, or like is saying what she's saying is so important because like she kind of nods and she's like, okay. And then she leaves. Yeah. Like, but like I, you know, I feel like I've made this point over and over and over again, but like everything about Joyce and Buffy uh, at least up until, you know, now maybe a little bit further into season three, but like everything up to this point has just been, so it's always so, 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 so sad to just watch them not be able to have the conversations that they need to have. And so like, yeah, that the conclusion is not that Buffy reveals it to her and then they get to work it out. But the conclusion is that Buffy reveals it to her and it breaks them for a moment is like, it's just again, so mean. Oh, and that again, that like Joyce is doing, I don't see how we could expect someone in Joyce's position to make any different choices than she makes. Like, I think she really is doing everything that she thinks is the best, everything that anyone has told her is the best, and it's not working. And it has nothing to do with her failing as a parent, but, like, of course she's going to feel that failure anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, well, regardless, I am very excited for season three. Me too. I have a confession. Mm, is it that you watched ahead again? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> but I but I just got to the end of all the episodes that I watched. <laughs> I can't believe you. Oh, you have gotten me back for every time I watched ahead on something. You've done me good. <laughs> I I could you not can... admit until we watched these episodes oh, I that I had you. actually gotten this far. Oh, but I, I told you, it. I, I didn't it. lie. I was firmly in season two. I knew it. I knew it. No wonder you didn't cry this time, Al. You watched it like three weeks ago. Just kidding. I was like, that was like three months ago. ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am so sorry, but I am now, we are now on the same page again. Uh, it's fine. I just wanted to be honest. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> I feel so better in my confession. <laughs> okay, 10 Hail Marys in an active condition. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> also, you're evil and a spawn of Satan or something. <laughs> I did have a premonition that I won't be, re- I won't be watching it. <laughs> uh, oh my God, did you watch until the end when the girl Arg said, I need a hug? No. Oh, no, it said I need a hug. It was so sad. It did? Yeah. So, like, the end of, literally the end of every episode, except for the musical episode, there's a little, you know, the production company is called, what? I can't remember. Eh, monster or something. Mutant Enemy, Thank you. right? Mutant Enemy. <laughs> and there's, like, a little animated monster, a little animated vampire, and he goes, grr, arg, at the end of every episode, and except for this one and the musical episode. And I forgot about this one, but literally he walks across the screen and he says, I need to hug. I, I think I stopped it before I got to the end of it, so I'm going to have to immediately you have to go, go watch, watch it. That. Oh, my God. And spoilers, well, in the musical episode, he just sings it. And he goes, grr, arg. Does he? Uh-huh. I, oh, I my God. I guess I never... 
I never like get to the end. I think you know the reason that I know that one actually is because I have the soundtrack, and that's one of the things on the soundtrack. I'm excited now. You need to go back and watch it. It yeah. was really, it was like an extra little gut punch at the end. I was like, stop it. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, we now get to move into season three, which I think is my favorite it's season. It's definitely mine. I'm, and yeah. I'm so excited for literally every episode. Um, and we're not going to take a break this time. So yeah. we're going to go right into season three next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We're ready for the new hairstyles and yeah, the I do like new Buffy shades Swan. of blonde. Oh. We're going to have Buffy at the very end of her, um, wait, what is it? Cruel, Cruel Intentions. and, uh, simply irresistible <laughs> hair. Yeah. Yeah. So, which now you, now you will appreciate. I will appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, see, they just added blonde highlights to her simply irresistible mm-hmm. hair. I do like it. Um, I did get my season three DVDs in the mail like a few days ago, so I'm all set. I'm very excited. I get to take out another case from my stack mm-hmm. in my anniversary one. So um, right now, because the way it is, it all when you put them all together, it makes a cast photo. Mm, that's right. And right now I've got Buffy's eyes, mm. and you can see the full faces of Giles and Spike and Angel and Oz. Mm-hmm. And then now... In the next one, I believe I'll get to see the faces of Cordelia and Willow <laughs> and Xander. And then I'll see, no, I'll see the mouths of Xander and Buffy. Nice. Yes. So that's where I, I always measure my progress. Which part of the body? Is Dawn in the season cast photo that it's making? I don't know. I don't think so. Because it's possible that, like, Tara and Dawn and Anya appear further down or... Yeah. Maybe it's possible they're not in it at all. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I, and I can't view the whole thing right now. Okay. So. It's on one of those bookshelves that I keep in my room. <laughs> Far die. away from you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting precariously close to one right now. Yeah. It looks sturdy. Um, so I don't have any pop culture recs. I mean, me either. And this has gone on. This is our definitely yeah. our longest episode yet. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see. I say. might be making this a two-parter. <laughs> Uh, part one, part two. Yeah. It's nice parallel. Um, cool. So I'm excited to chat with you next week about season three. Me too. I can't even believe we're already in season three. I know. Like, I feel like we just started this fun little project. But I'm really glad that we watched, you know, this was just like watching this finale really just reminded me of why I love it. And, you know, this last month or so has been a little bit rough, I think, for us. But it's just nice to, like, remember how I fell in like I, like I said this is the the moment that I fell in love with the show was when we watched this episode for the first time and so like it is a nice just reminder of like it reminds me of that year which was a good year in my life and it reminds me of why I like the show and it's makes me cry which I enjoy because <laughs> I'm a masochist <laughs> but like this was just a great I just really enjoyed watching these and it was fun to talk about for an hour and 45 minutes <laughs> yeah <clears throat> I mean like I said, I've been looking forward to talking about this for weeks, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've I've achieved this like pinnacle of like, yeah, podcast discussion. I mean, I'm not to say it's downhill from no, here. No, I mean like, I can't wait. To I talk this about particular three. finale was yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's a big deal. I think mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's you know, arguably the finale of the show. Mm-hmm. It's one of the episodes of the show. It's certainly on everyone's top ten list mm-hmm. who watches this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but but I'm I'm I mean next season, oh, we get so many great characters and moments. Mm-hmm. And 
certainly ready for that too. I'm ready to hate the characters and <laughs> be excited for them and just ready for Mr. Mayor. I'm ready for the mayor. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay. Okay. So you're making me feel like mushy inside. Aww. So Yeah. Okay. Well, because I, you know, I, this, this reminds me too of like, it was a good year. It was. We spent a lot of time in that living <laughs> room watching these episodes. And, <laughs> I mean, on the Moses Blue Chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I think they all watched it too. I think all, both of our roommates watched this one with us. I think they, sure we they came in at various points and yeah. watched with us. Um, I remember them being there at certain points or at some point. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe they'll chime in. So. Um, yeah, we might get, maybe we'll get a few extra guests in the next season as yeah. well. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so, I have a couple other people I want to rope in. Mm-hmm. Um, my roommate has never watched Buffy, oh, so I kind of want to use her as a guinea pig of just, like, throwing her in the water yeah. and, like, having her, like, try to talk about two episodes and know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she'd be up for it. Yeah. Um, and we have other friends that have watched mm-hmm. that I want to kind of get them. Too. I, I mean, I you know, I'm always curious to see how other people feel about it because I know how I feel about mm-hmm. it. I have a good idea about how you feel about the show, and um, it's definitely nice know, to it hear another like an perspective. Anthropological experiment, if you will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hmm. A very specific one, but <laughs> well, yeah. this week I'm definitely Team Buffy. <laughs> she needs all the support she can get. <laughs> I know. How could you not be? Yeah. Because like she really just does everything. But also, I want to say I. Oh, am I saying this? Uh-huh, I'm saying uh-huh, this too. Uh-huh. Because he really. Yes. You wanted to say it. Just get it out. It's gonna feel so good. No, it's not. It actually feels terrible. I want to be clear that I do not mean this in any romantic uh-huh, way. Uh-huh. No, but I'm Team Spike yes. because yeah. uh, because he really is the reason Buffy can do this. Can do this because You're right. he he was there know, for her when she needed it. Hmm. And and it was purely selfish reasons. Sure, of course. But. But he had fun doing it, and I had fun watching him. Okay, so on that note. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll talk to you about season three. All right, talk to you next week in season three. (laughs) Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.